evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 122, recording on the 12th of February 2023. Um, my name is Elliot Page, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing very well. Kind of excited to talk about both the things we have on this week's episode as well. So, Yeah, yeah, same, I think. <laughs> think um most importantly um quick starting matter um we this is a ma- fortnightly look at manga we focus on joint discussion where we both go away and read the things we're going to talk about so we can have a nice in-depth discussion um you can support us on patreon if you so wish um details on that coming later but you can also you can find it at uh, patreon.com forward slash screen tone club importantly um we have to give shout outs to our shout out tier members uh, mr rob jessup the blue head cyborg and seekers get so thank you ever so much for supporting us Let's just get straight into it. Uh, my pick or yours, Andy? <laughs> let's, let's go with yours first. Right, cool. So my pick is um, Slasher Maidens, Volume 1. I I don't quite know what came over me to pick this. Um, I've read it before, um, once or twice, kind of. And this kind of hovers on the edge of Elliot kind of wants this to be better than it maybe is. I don't know. There's something here, but it still makes me feel a bit icky um, reading it. But we'll get to why. So Slash Maidens is about our main character, who is Asuma Sudo, who is like basically the pervert high school friend from all those manga, um, but turned to 11 and somehow has not been slapped with like a sexual assault charge. You know, he's the, you know, he gets his whole backstory shown where he's basically a five-year-old flipping skirts and stealing panties and et cetera, et cetera. Like dude is very, very, very horny, but not ever to the point of actually laying a hand on anyone at least thankfully and he is being whispered about as oh you know ooh, we might need to you know there are forces of drift in the world and they appear to have their eyes set on asuma um so this is a world where we have kaijin which are basically kaiju people um the idea is that as is set up in the exposition right at the start um, that when people experience negative emotions to such an extent, they undergo a spontaneous transformation, um, like spontaneous monsterification, um, which kind of results in them turning into rather sort of like silly um, version of themselves, but hell-bent on murder, mass, mass murder. And so then they, and this is, this is kind of couched in a very strange way, handled very confusingly by the plot, which doesn't seem to quite understand whether it wants this to be a publicly known thing or not. Um, more about that, I suppose, later in the review. But basically, cutting to the quick, um, Asima, um, gets picked up and is basically intro- in, is basically transferred to an all girls high school, which also looks like a giant fortress. And it turns out it's because it is. Um, the all, the all girls high school he has been, um, like shanghaied into is actually a secret government organization which is tasked with killing off kaijin when they go rampant and basically to cut again to cut out even more um the girls in this school um don the equipment of previous serial killers mass murderers and kaijin which then imbue them with some of the powers of that previous murderer and they then use those it's like a really fucked up version of bleach i suppose with the whole like swords um, and the reason why Asim has been brought in is because he is such a horn dog that instead of being like murder focused like all the villains, he is life focused through being a giant horn dog, the embodiment of Eros, um, to use the phrasing that gets thrown around. And so basically he exists to act as like a counterbalance to the powers and the strength that these girls wield, um, because they're using evil Thanatos based attacks and he being a horn dog can neutralize that by like i don't know falling in their tits or something and that's kind of your setup for this um this volume is kind of a long one it's 300 pages so you get like the introductory arc where um you know miss is going to die in this first chapter gets introduced and then mysteriously vanishes and then gets introduced reintroduced to the three female main characters and go from there and it's clear that there's like other you know actors present in the world um i'm gonna cut my synopsis off here because it's already ranged way around the houses and up and down the street um 
I, as I say, I want to like this more than I do. It has some, it has some fun action. The setup is extremely stupid. Um, but it kind of at least lays it out for you and seemingly admits that it's not all that smart because it's just like, Hey, this is our really stupid idea to justify the main character being a colossal pervert. Um, while also being weirdly chased at times. Um, you know, he's very much a look, don't touch kind of dude. Um, and of course it gives you an excuse to have cool, um, ladies doing fighting with different forms of weaponry. And, you know, the weapons change their personality. Ooh, isn't she even cooler now? She's like murdery. And, you know, you get the sort of very base level stupid villains, including like giant wasp girl who does Instagram too much. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of want to like this more than it I do, uh, because it's very, very stupid, but again, very, kind of fun to read if you can turn your brain off that is slightly weirded out by the whole damn thing um there are six volumes of this by the way in english uh nine in japan i i've read to volume two before and i dropped it for reasons that i can't remember maybe my brain shut down to like protect me but either way andy um what did you think of this whole rather again i'm very sorry for jumping all over the place but what do you think of this rather strange package um yeah i i kind of enjoyed it in the end like Weirdly, given like its its premise and like you say, it's <clears throat> it's kind of dumb, it's kind of stupid, and it knows it. I sort of I was surprised at how slow a burn this first volume is. Like I kind of thought it was just gonna go right through all of the initial motions in a couple of chapters, but actually it kind of doesn't. Like my frustration with the early chapters was that it introduced a bunch of characters and then didn't really give you anything around them so it was kind of hard to really care like i mean you know a, a lot of the, the premise is about you know pseudo having a crush on this girl who he sees and it's like you need to give me more about this character and actually like by the end of the first volume like you learn quite a bit about her and it's kind of like it kind of works but that and, and a number of the other characters it sort of felt like you know it was slim pickings for a while until it really kind of gets into a decent cadence of like, okay, this is this is what we're doing, you know, this is the sort of monster of the week kind of affair that we've got going on here. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of warmed to it as I went on. Like, the, the more time that I got to spend with the various characters, the more I kind of found myself uh, kind of edging towards liking it. Um, and I, I think that's... That is kind of like... the. The, the case across the board really like the, there's a lot of there's a lot of really on the nose bits about this this volume as well like the social commentary side of it like you say the, the person who instagrams too much etc etc like it's sort of it's very very on the nose but it also kind of works within the confines of this series that is not trying to pretend to be something super smart um and i think that's kind of the thing about it. it is like you were saying if you turn your brain off or at least kind of turn it down a fair bit so you're not overthinking it then i think it kind of hangs together pretty decently um and certainly compared to what i was maybe expecting from the initial setup of just like oh am i just gonna hate this main character like it turns out that like for all of his perversions he's kind of like when push comes to shove actually quite an, an okay guy um and that's perhaps the smartest thing this series does is that like you know it sets up this whole premise of like hey T to stop these girls kind of going out of control, you can basically go ham and be as perverted as you want. And then he ends up being just like, no, nah, I'm just going to like, you know, like blow in their ear or something because that seems more reasonable. And it's like, okay, this actually does not go to the extremes that it could easily have done. And I sort of respect it for that a little bit too. Yeah, I feel like Asima, for all of his like... Uh because at the very start it's like basically him sat on a park bench like bemoaning how horny he is and that's the weirdest setup to try and get you into into a character's mindset for me at least where it's like wow you seem like a crime a crime doer for all this perversion and then as you say when it comes to actually like having to do his quote-unquote job and like don the strange male booby armor that the the dudes get um and like try and calm down these ladies who are going on a murder spree he gets real kind of chased about it it's it's kind of fun honestly quite funny um it reminds me of the like i don't know like i feel like everyone knew one of these sort of people like in a certain time like between like you know 17 18 ish you knew the virgin pervert who would never shut up about sex but was also the single most chaste person you knew who would blush if you so much as like ate a sausage roll um but <laughs> sorry that sounded a bit crude didn't it jesus <laughs> oh 
but yeah and and i feel like as you say the one thing about this is it's, it's a good reason it's 300 pages in my mind which is like if you cut it off at the normal like 180 200 you'll still be in the middle of setup of like trying to actually explain why they've got asuma here and why he's kind of like bumbling around and also frankly he does do some good stuff like he goes out of his way even as someone who is like literally depowered in the situation to try and you know assist in the escape of innocent victims who are caught in the crossfire and he he constantly does things everyone's like wow you're a fucking idiot you're gonna get killed and he manages to get away with it and there are signs that he does have a weird power set as befitting his like like it basically says straight up very quickly that oh yeah you're actually also a monster but you're one we can use and you're not likely to go around starting to murder everyone just that you know you are in fact not really a human anymore so welcome to school um but yeah, and one thing about this is also it's by the author of Akamega Kill, um, Tetsuya Tashiro, and I I never knew beforehand because I would never have picked this up if I had known that because I never really liked Akamega Kill because it was a bit more sharp-elbowed about it with being a bit more sort of like... I don't know, just a bit more exploitative um, to my mind, although I never got too deep into it, so maybe it blossomed into something else. I don't know. But Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this, this series, like, you know, it, it's... It's quite happy to be kind of gory and grotesque, but it kind of like fits what it's going for there. Um, and it's, I think it's kind of nice, like it, the way it uses its sort of, you know, its monster of the week setup and its action scenes to, to build characters is, is pretty good. Like there's, there's a really nice exchange kind of late on in this volume between Asuma and um, Inami where like, you know, he's basically like drags her forcibly away from a fight and she's like, no, I'm here to protect people. You can't do this. And he's just like, yeah, but you can't protect people if you're dead. So maybe this is a good time to just like tactically retreat for a bit. Um, so there's kind of nice moments like that. There's th- there's a really good kind of preamble before that where like they actually go and kind of visit the aftermath of like their previous fight, um, <laughs> and you know they yeah. kind of like see people who are you know they see the people who have survived, but they also get to see you know the damage and you know people in mourning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that that kind of felt refreshing because this kind of series doesn't normally do that kind of thing. Like normally you have the big blowout fight and the series either kind of finds a way to hand wave away. They're like, ah, use your magic healing power to set everything back how it was. Or they just ignore it and carry on and kind of don't mention the fact that they kind of obliterated a shopping mall and probably a bunch of people died. And like, it's kind of really nice to see a series tackle that kind of at face value and be like, yep, this shopping mall ain't going to open for a while because it's kind of a mess in there. And hey, look, we saved a bunch of people, but we didn't save everyone, and we couldn't. And, like, kind of that reckoning and kind of coming to terms with that is sort of surprisingly sort of robust and kind of heartfelt for a a series like this at its core. And I kind of... It's one of those moments where I was just like, yeah, I kind of wish more shows that had this sort of premise did this a little bit more often, because it kind of... There's something to that. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing that... I mean, the reason why I talked about like turning your brain off is that whenever I turned my brain on and wanted to engage with that side of things, I found it constantly letting me down or frankly confusing me. Where, like, Asuma himself, like, and other, like, sort of, like, NPC characters who kind of flit in and out seem to operate. I mean, it's a lot of it's in Asuma's case, but they seem to, and the writing itself seems to flip between Kaijin are real and people who know about them and Kaijin are secret and people don't know about them or people think Kaijin are, are a made up load of bollocks, even though we have a statistic saying 500 people died from attacks and also, you know, there are attacks. And it's that bit that always, really annoyed or confused me where it's like how serious are you taking your world set up here like you keep oscillating between like oh that's just a myth whatever and oh no real monsters exist and then every time a monster turns up it has a huge impact and murders tons of people with loads of witnesses and it's like okay like this is a real thing here why why can't you write this consistently yeah because i mean the initial setup in the first chapter seems to be that like hey this this is a thing that everyone is aware of and you know there are public information commercials about hey like watch out for this this is not good um but at the same time it sounds like a lot of the actual more kind of like you know major occurrences of this stuff is is somehow kind of 
brushed over and you know kind of hidden hidden from 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 sight you know in terms of like media blackouts and etc etc which I, I kind of get why it wants to do that so that it's not just constantly like you know everybody kind of you know on edge about that stuff but i know it, it makes me think about something like uh premier like as, as, a, as a weird sort of counter example where that's a very clear setup of like every, or even like something like fire force which is basically the same thing yeah where like everybody you know knows what the knows the state of play around this there's not really any kind of attempts to hide that stuff it's just like yeah this is this is a fact of life like this is basically like an illness if you will um and so yeah it's sort of strange that it it tries to sort of minimize some of that stuff um and it's certainly a little bit inconsistent about it and i I don't know quite why it tried to go down that route in the first place yeah yeah it's also the fact that a lot of like most of them i mean the first two monsters where we have a motive for them are basically like they got laughed at on social media like youtube and instagram and that's that was how they transformed into a giant villain and it's like Okay, that's sure. I guess fuck it. Like this is when you kind of have to. Turn, I, I don't know. I feel like I had to turn my brain off to not like get annoyed or just confused. It also is kind of funny where it's basically like the entirety of the modern day, but transposed into this world where negative emotions can like anyone can be afflicted by this. Uh, maybe there are other factors that haven't been gone into, and you know, there's a cult behind trying to encourage more of it to happen, which we are introduced to towards the end of the volume. And it's one of these things where it's like. So you know that kaijin exist and are a problem, but the world hasn't changed in any single way to adjust to it. I mean, I would say that's unsurprising, but then again, you can look at America and gun laws and kind of go, well, okay, fair enough. (laughs) I I doubt it's going for that much of a dig, but yeah, it is one of these things where it's like, man, I wish this was, even if it just had more than one character go like, yeah, whatever, kaijin, guess go. I, I I wouldn't mind so much. Yeah, that that's the part of it. I, I'm not quite sure kind of where, like, the writing of this sits because it's like, yeah, like, all, all of the kind of, you know, kaijin that are, appear are, are very clear kind of, like, digs at modern society. Like, the whole cult that is kind of like, hey, maybe maybe being a kaijin is good um, is also, like, clearly a bit of a, a, a nudge at kind of, like, extremist right-wing politics. But, yeah, I'm not quite sure how deep down the rabbit hole the author is trying to go with this and whether some of that stuff is unintended or accidental or you know whether it's sort of a very deliberate play into what it's trying to do uh because the stuff that it does do seems like it's very like i say very on the nose and very like <laughs> slap you around the face with it so i'm not quite sure i believe that it's trying to do anything more subtle but who knows? No, yeah, I think it's opened up like uh, it's opened up like a mine shaft of material, and then it's walked away, going like, "No, nah, I don't care. I'm touching any of that." This is a setup for the girl who wears like a cowboy hat and a gun, and she can look cool. And that's like, okay, fine, fine. Like, let's go with that. But yeah, I mean, you know, to 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 get back to switching a brain off, like the art looks nice in fights. The violence is quite graphic and gruesome. There is one particular two page spread towards the end, which is where the it's both a case of like, wow, the author really learned about anatomy and, oh God, that's completely gross. Holy shit. Um, and it, it actually does, and it doesn't revel in it. It, do, it isn't like almost masturbatory, like <laughs> sort of levels of violence it is a case of like, no, this is, this is bad and sucks and hurts. And so is, and so we should probably fight these things. Um, and you know, Inami, the main character is a very good main character for that. Like she, um, is very cool and collected. And, you know, as you find out, she uses like, you know, boku pronouns um and referring to herself which is always cool and you know has terrible fashion sense which is another moe charm point but also one of her powers is that she can regenerate which is extremely helpful um in fighting things that want to chop you up because um if something bad happens you can just chop your arm off and you get a new one check it out um and so yeah and the the, the abilities we've seen so far are interesting because like i say it's very much the case of like oh no to fight monsters we became monsters oh shit sort of thing um and at one point they go into like the like terminal dogma evangelion style vault where they see all the rows upon rows like card catalogued mementos of these murderers and it's like whoa there's that's a lot of serial killers like what are you guys doing (laughs) what happened 
Yeah, it, it, it's also kind of funny when you compare it to something like um, Kaiju Number Eight, where yeah. there's just like there is a very limited subset of this stuff kicking around, where these guys are just like, now we've got like about eight thousand of these in the vault. Just take your pick. Like it's like the it, it's like the Amazon of like mementos to fight the bad things with, and it's like this is this this is cool. I I, I mean, I guess like if if you if you're like trying to pen a potentially long running series, you want to make sure that you never you're never going to run out of these things, but. Yeah, Seems like excessive. it also gives itself the out of like, oh, there must be a simpatico between you and the memento for it to work. So that, you know, you get chosen by the magical murder glove, not the other way around. And they even say like, yeah, some of these are so weak. We don't we just really keep them around for the hell of it. And it's like, shouldn't you destroy them? What if I don't know. Again, another one of these things where I end up like trying to like spin off and it doesn't really get answered. <laughs> so but yeah, I. I might pick this back up again. I can't. I, again, I, I read the volume two and two or three, and something weirded me out about it, and I can't remember it, what it was. Maybe I'll dive back into that for returning champions. Um, yeah. But as I say, if you can be less of a pedant and annoyance like me, um, it's real good fun and real slick action and violence. So it, the fights are cool. They have a lot of good use of space. Um, the characters, in particular, the primary trio, have different ranges they work at. Um, like one of them's more long range one of them is very up in your face with murder gloves we get a sniper character introduced at the end which is cool and you know it's all about the fact of how they use their abilities to fight like these extremely weird very strong um enemies like again the second enemy is a giant wasp lady who basically they lure into a confined space and then you can't really fly around can you and so that's real cool um so yeah it has it has that bit of like good action to make you go yeah hell yeah this is fun um just a bit gross at times <laughs> yeah 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 i definitely like really appreciated the action scenes like occasionally i feel like the artwork can get a little bit confusing around them but to be honest that's usually when the artwork's just like oh yeah like we should we should show off the ladies a bit more and it kind of like goes a little bit t- it, it, tr- it tries to get a little creative with sort of you know some interesting angles let's say and then that's usually the point where you kind of like lose the, the grip of everything else that's going on because it's too busy like trying to figure out how to position the camera behind someone's butt or whatever yeah it's the it's um, always the butt it's always the butt yeah yeah um and uh but but yeah, like overall, it, it it looks very cool. Like you say, it, it's very good at kind of being grotesque, but never feeling like it's kind of doing it for the sake of it. There is kind of it always feels organic, um, and so yeah, like visually, I, I did really enjoy it as well. Like all the character designs are good and strong as well. Like you know, both in and out of their mementos, it's like it's it's a really good set of characters. I was I was kind of annoyed that they they killed off a character so early that I was like, oh cool, I, I'm kind of up for hanging out with with this girl a bit more. But no, apparently we can't do that. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of uh, Star Wars Clone Wars where they named a character. I'm a Gundy, which if you write out just says, I'm going to die. And it's like, <laughs> thanks, Star Wars. And the same thing with this, where it's like, hey, here's the cool, spunky, tomboyish girl. Don't you like her? And then she vanishes. And it's like, fuck's sake. <laughs> like, why did you take the character I liked and make her developmental for, you know, character motive? That sucks. She was fun. Um, you didn't even get a shot of her with her weapon. You just get like a rather gross shot of like her having passed. And it's like, Ugh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh well, yeah, for, for sure. But yeah, I know I, I might I might read some more of this. Um, I, I'll maybe 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 let you take the be the canary in the coal mine if you're going to returning champions it and see if 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 we can figure out what what uh, turned you away from it last time. But yeah, this is definitely not one of those burning hot. Oh my god, I need to see what happens next. But like, I enjoyed my time with the characters. I kind of like the world. You know, it sets up the big bad by the end of this first volume, which is like. This is exactly what I expected it to be. There's yeah. not really any big surprises there, but I guess I'm kind of interested to see where that goes. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Like it, especially considering the length of it. Like you say, it makes good use of that time. Like, had this been a 180 page volume, I think it would really have struggled and felt a lot more kind of lightweight and trifling as a result. Yeah, for sure, I'm right there with you. But yeah, I think t- as at the end, it shows like you know the the real antagonist sort of thing, and it's like, well 
how much are they involved? It, it drops some more hints about other things to come. Of course, it has various characters going, oh, they won't stay silent. It's like, oh, good. <laughs> I love it when they won't stay silent. Um, or that man won't let this take this lying down, you know. So, but yeah, it's, it is interesting. As I say, I was, I, I'm not a fan of Akima Gao Kill and this, you know, as I say, I, this is very much a case of like forcibly turn brain off. Um, just don't read it in public. Um, it's a bit violent <laughs> and a bit, a bit booby. As mentioned, it has the case where it feels like the cam, it's like when you're in a video game and you like back up towards a wall and the camera goes, whoa, where do I go? And you know, you see someone's butt. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and ironically, a lot of the other kind of fan service stuff. I mean, there are some like shower scenes and stuff, but a lot of it mostly just like resides within the main character's imagination. Um, so it's just like, yeah, it's just like, hmm, how do we how do we put some some more like underwear in here? Like, I know we'll have we'll we'll have the main character think about this. We'll have have Asima think about this for a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a it, it it does play out the main character for last. And as I say, he like I think at one point towards the end of the volume, he is basically pitching a giant ten, and it is quite honestly one of the most comedic moments in the volume, where it's like, oh dear, you should not. What? Why would you draw that? No, that's weird. <laughs> and it's like the guy is like blowing his jeans out, and it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, we are in manga anatomy territory here, and this is not an appropriate time but hey this is funny um so yeah that's his superpower <laughs> as it turns out literally in the text so yeah, yeah. so yeah um that's been uh, slasher maidens volume one and now we're going to take a quick break to kind of like cool ourselves off and leave you with a little message from ourselves Hey there, Elliot here, just interrupting this episode to let you know that Screen Tone Club is supported by our lovely listeners via Patreon. Subscribing to our Patreon helps to defer the cost of buying the manga that we read for the show, keeps the show ad-free, and gives us a lovely, warm feeling inside. Yeah, by supporting us on Patreon, you also get our monthly bonus episodes, and if you support us on the $5 and up tier, you also get to vote on what we cover on these bonus episodes. Your pick of manga or light novel for us to cover. So to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash club. Sign up today and you get access to our full back catalogue with over three years of bonus episodes. So whether you're a subscriber or not, thank you ever so much for listening. And now, back to the show, already in progress. And we're back. And so from, well, one slightly horny series to perhaps another, Andy, um, let's talk about your pick. I'm very curious to hear what you think about this, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, we've. I feel like thematically we've we've stumbled on the theme of just like I don't know this is kind of weird um, because uh, <laughs> yeah, my pick for this episode is is the current hot ticket that I feel like a bunch of people are talking about anime adaptation incoming. Uh, Oshinoko. Uh, it is written by Aka Akazaka, who is also the uh, creator of uh, Kaguya-sama, um, kind of podcast favorite. I think it's fair to say mm-hmm. uh, the artist is Mingo Yokoyari. Um, it is available on both uh, Manga Plus and is being published by Yen Press. Uh, so it's being simulpub on uh, on Manga Plus, 108 chapters currently, uh, 10 volumes out in Japan, but we've only just had the first one here in English. Um, I suspect they'll be burning through those pretty quickly, given its seeming popularity, uh, but we will see. Yeah, it's, as you said, as you've said to me and we've said to each other, it's like I see a lot of people talking about this. Like there is a even when it started on Manga Plus, there was already kind of a, a ferment, like a level of excitement around it that i was kind of surprised by but yeah 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 for, for sure um and so yeah um i mean it kind of unusually for a manga um our, our main character as we're introduced to him is an obstetric gynecologist um not very often we get to say that on the podcast uh, his name is goro and uh as well as doing his job as a doctor well and sometimes at the same time of doing his job as a doctor he's it's also called bedside big... manner andy <laughs> yeah he's he is also um a big idol fan um and in particular the apple of his eye um, is a girl called Ai Hoshino, um, who is kind of the 16-year-old the centre of a relatively hot-ticket idol group um, who he follows. Um, and um, long story short, um, I turns up at his clinic because she is pregnant with twins. Um, and obviously, being an idol kind of wants to keep... Well, she's not really too fussed, but her manager really wants to keep this on the down low um, for obvious reasons, because, like, you know, holding hands with somebody is bad enough if you're an idol, let alone being uh, being knocked up. Um, so, obviously, um, Goro, you know, is uh, going to do his job and uh, and make sure that the pregnancy goes smoothly, etc., etc. 
long story short, we get to the the day where she is due. Goro gets murdered. Not really too much of a spoiler because that happens pretty early on. Um, and effectively, it's it's a thing that is kind of softballed in early on. And this idea of like, hey, if you could be reincarnated as someone like the kid of someone famous, w- would you want that? Um, and it turns out that Goro is reincarnated as one of these twins, uh, where he's unfortunately named Aquamarine, um, alongside his twin sister Ruby, which is a good name for a cat, but maybe not for a person. Um, also, the the one kicker about that the names are the names like sure showbiz names like we've we've had enough jokes about those over the years, but it's more the fact that the mum can't tell the kids apart like come on you gave birth (laughs) to them for god's sake yeah yeah so that that is one of the kind of early running jokes from this point in the series that she can't tell the two of them apart um but yeah basically these two twins are both both reincarnated um it's pretty obvious who the the other twin is um it doesn't really make any efforts to hide that so again not really a spoiler but i won't go into it here um both of them are kind of aware of their past and and remember them um they're both able to talk basically from day one um leading to one of the better um sort of comedy panels of whoa a talking baby (laughs) yeah yeah there there are there are a few of those explanations throughout um and so thus starts this very weird trajectory of these two kids kind of supporting and kind of trying to to kind of boost their new mum and her career as she kind of struggles to get back into being an idol um it sort of burns through quite quickly to them sort of being toddlers um and you know reaching an, an older age and then by the end of this volume it, it basically seems like volume two is going to turn into an entirely different series again because events conspire to change change things quite significantly um in terms of the cast and in terms of the focus and i don't know how i feel about this like i am i am kind of all over the shop on it um partly because i'm not quite sure what the tone of the series is trying to be like it's sort of mm. th- this this series reminds me of, of a couple of different things it reminds me partly of uh kakushi goto um which is sort of that kind of like it's trying to be sort of a gag series but that also has some like heavy weighty stuff going on and maybe doesn't quite know kind of how to split the difference on them it also makes me think a bit about spy family of just this whole kind of setup of like group of characters they all kind of have secrets from each other in various different configurations. They all kind of have their own sort of goal or stuff that they're trying to do. Um, but again, like it doesn't have either the sort of quite the charm or the comedy value of that either. Um, and I don't know, like there's, there is something to this that I sort of find fascinating because it, you know, this volume covers a lot and tries a lot of different things. And when you get to the end of this volume and it's very clear that volume two is going to be different again, then I'm like, I'm kind of on board to just keep seeing what happens with this because I'm super intrigued by it. But at the same time, at no point was I kind of like massively gripped by it. A lot of the jokes don't really land. It has a lot of moments where it sort of tries to be profound in terms of like, you know, talking about celebrity idol culture social media etc etc like once or twice it almost hits on something you're like okay that was actually quite good but more often than not it's like a puddle it's like puddle deep really yeah it kind of feels like yeah it's sort of it's just something that you might kind of dash off as a tweet sometime and nothing more than that (laughs) yeah a a. 4am tweet where you wake up the next morning and go oh my god and you delete it because yeah like you just cringe (laughs) it's like yeah yeah exactly and and it kind of you know it it, it spins a lot of plates and it, it does manage to keep them all up in the air but like i feel like none of them are quite ever spinning at full velocity so i sort of came away from this being like this is really interesting but i don't really i'm not gonna sit here and say oh this is amazing but it is fascinating to me i think fascinating is the main thing the way i can i i have read this series like multiple times now because i keep trying to get my hand my head and hands around like what it is about this series because i i don't like it i just don't like this series for multiple reasons i'll get to in a second but like there is something here 
and I don't know what it is. And I, I have more than enough reasons to dismiss it and don't want to read any more of it. And I frankly don't think the author pairing know what it is either, which is the more confusing part. Like they, they, like it's almost like there is, there is a je ne sais quoi to this series that I cannot quite quantify or elaborate on that kind of sits like on the equivalent of your peripheral vision. Like it's out of the corner of your eye, but you can't turn to look at it because it vanishes. But there is something here in this quite very strange series where you have i who both wants to have it all and clearly works extremely hard and wants to work hard for her children but also is extremely scatterbrained and has zero to one brain cells and you know it's a very strange character where she is both like extremely self-confident but also extremely wishy-washy and wants to have it all but also is very much under the thumb of her manager her manager is a weird guy who also like has a very put upon wife who the kids, the babies basically blackmail into not dobbing them into the media, which is an extremely strange setup. And it also is interspersed where chapters will start with this like retrospective ominous interview setup, which we've seen in other series like Blue Giant, except in this case, it's all very much, you know, it's pointing at an amorphous darkness that will come back later. And so it has this extremely and also like it has this extremely strange tone to it where you know main character is in chapter one murdered and misses out on his delivery of these twins whoops you know good job like accidental medical negligence through homicide but also that we get introduced to the um the murderer the stalker who is still out there and he pops back in for like a panel where it's like clear that this stalker is still out there and is aware of what's happened. Well, not the reincarnation part. And of course it also has like, you know, um, Ruby, the other twin who is very clearly another character from Goro's past, which is so hinted at, but I think Goro's not wanting to touch that particular like emotional landmine. Um, and it's such a strange setup because the whole thing is full of these weird, la- like, kind of uncomfortable and weird setups that just hang around in the air and of course like you know aqua you know formerly goro uh, becomes a child star because they as you say they try to support their mum and get weirdly spun off and yet the whole thing has such a strange texture to it where i don't i there's something that really freaks me out about the art i just don't like it like the there is something about the art that is just kind of weird and gross and it's not like exploitative and like baps out type thing but it's just Everything looks like an alien and, you know, I, you know, the stars in the eyes, uh, is one thing, but that's kind of a cute thing. But it's so, there's just something about this series which really freaks me out and I do not like reading it. But again, there is something weird, some quintessence within that is like beguiling and interesting of like, the, again, I don't think the authors, I think the authors basically have made 108 chapters or like at least this first volume at very least like digging around this sort of weird nugget within it and they haven't actually managed to strike it to be able to synthesize it and bring it to you pure and so you're left with this series that as you say just has massive shifts and interesting but very strange characters and motivations all over the place and i don't know what it's getting at like i don't quite know what it's driving at at all like it very much is like, oh, all idols are lies, but you love it, you pig. And we love telling you these lies, but you love imbibing these lies and you know they're lies. You know they're all bonking, but you also think they are pure and all this stuff. And it's and like, oh, show business, but don't you love it? We live for it, but it's also gross. And it's like, what is this? Like, what is this back and forth? Like, puddle deep commentary on both sides that never really seems to touch anything real it's extremely strange it's i really can't i can't think of anything quite anything else quite like it honestly both for good and ill sorry i went off on one there but yeah yeah but but yeah i i I think that's just it it's like i i think that is what makes it compelling in this weird sort of way because yeah i can't think of any other series that even comes close to sort of trying to do what this series is and even the fact that it has these sort of multiple pivots through the volume way like you say it very much feels like they're putting feelers out trying to sort of like land on something that works and even that is just sort of fascinating to watch pan out in a way that like I feel like with other series that's like super frustrating because it's like I I, you know you can just see the the wheels in motion whereas there's something about this of like every time you kind of 
you kind of hit around the edges of something and yeah like you just kind of can't quite look away at it um and yeah the, the art style I don't know, there is something, I, I can't tell whether it's just because, like, the general premise of it is sort of slightly unsettlingly weird, mm-hmm. that that just kind of bleeds into, like, the way you uh, praise the art, or whether it is just that the art just shares that slight feeling of a world that's a little bit off-key somehow. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I mean, it is one thing where, like, you know, the the reincarnated characters... You can see why quite often in isekai stories where people pop into another person's body, they do it later in life. You know, like Bookworm, where mine has has that fever and blah, 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 you know, shared consciousness, do da day. There's an entire plot line about that. But in this case, you know, our, ob- our ob- obgyne is like conscious from second one of like, <laughs> like it, it, it almost starts to ask a theological question of when does life begin? It begins when the old man murder victim becomes reincarnated into the baby who retain, again, retains all their knowledge and faculties, including the ability to talk, which is freaky deaky. Um, so yeah, that's, that's another weird part of it of like, and, and of course the other, si- the other sibling, it remembers everything as well and is super into, their mum in a fandom loop around kind of way um which could be comedic but just comes off as weird um i i I think and one thing about the series though going back to what you said about it constantly putting feelers out and so on is that it never feels like it's spinning wheels like the momentum is always forward like it is moving forward and doing things and changing state it's not just a case of it sat there going like i don't know let's just try shit until we find what works you know as as we know by the end of the volume is that it's going to keep moving and changing things and it will continue to move forward like it's not going to stay still and you know wait around it's going to keep changing everything and just barreling on and that at least kind of helps keep people you on board really quite frankly where it's like oh no we're gonna keep going like we're not gonna we're not gonna rest at rest here like there's no point in doing it so on we go yeah yeah there's a very clear direction of travel as far as that goes as well and like again even from the get-go of like okay like you're pregnant like there's a there's a time limit to that and then you know once the the twins are born it's like okay well they're gonna grow up so like you know where where are we going and how quickly in terms of this stuff but yeah i think it's almost that weird feeling of like another series would have had a whole volume of like the twins as babies that can talk and would have really like mind that well dry of like well what are the weird slash funny things that we can do with this setup blackmail Um, the manager's wife (laughs) yeah whereas this yeah like it kind of we have a few chapters of that and then it's kind of like right okay well that's that like let's go on to the next thing which i i think is part of like the the other thing that i sort of felt like was happening quite a lot here and is that this is a series that often kind of it feels like it sets up ground rules and then it just breaks them sometimes for no particular reason like i mean it's it's very explicit about like hey you know we have to keep these kids out of the public eye and then very quickly finds reasons not to do that um which then you know is kind of the the set of dominoes that that leads to the whole like child acting side of things and this that and the other like and it's it's constantly almost undermining kind of the rules that it sets up just so that it can do the next thing to the point where it's like well maybe you just shouldn't have made some of these rules in the first place yeah it it very it feels like the author maybe writing ahead of themselves where it's like oh we've got this amazing idea for a scene oh but that completely contravenes everything that happened before ah whatever we'll just carry on like you know it does at least keep the momentum up and keep it moving forward but it does make it very, very confusing. Um, well, well, internally inconsistent. There you go. How's that for a phrase? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's something real weird about this. As I say, there is something undeniable. I can see why it, in, it inspires com- like discussion. Like you know, I have a, I had a lot of notes and a lot of things to say about this. Where it's so bizarre and again like the art is kind of it, it the art i don't like but it clearly has a lot of care and attention put into it and it does get across some pretty good sort of like panels and you know expressions and everything but a lot of it i just don't like the characters or the way they're drawn there's something about them that makes me a bit bleh. um but yeah there is something to this series that warrants and pokes at the interest but at the same time it's like i don't really know if i like any of this in fact i don't think i do 
Um, so yeah, a very, very strange series. And also, frankly, yeah. the fact it was all available from day one is probably a help. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I wonder what the kind of much like with anime of like the, the the quest of like you know whether it's better to binge watch something or kind of watch it you know week on week like i feel like i'd be really interested to hear from somebody who was just like reading has been reading this like simul pub from week one to see how that kind of cadence goes versus you know just exploring it in a big chunk like this yeah i'm not sure like maybe that works better maybe that doesn't work as well i'm not too sure because and i mean again like as far as this volume goes like it's a really strong position for it to end on um, in terms of just like, hey, like, you know, we've basically moved all of the goalposts. The stakes have changed again completely. Um, and yeah, like, again, even in terms of characters, I'm in a weird place where like Aqua and Ruby, like I'm not, I don't really like them, but I also <laughs> find them intriguing in the same way as I do many things about the series. It's like they both, and I mean, again, like, you know, Goro slash Aqua, like from the get go, he's pretty keen to be like, "Hey, can we murder someone?" Um, and so it's sort of interesting now having him on the path that he's on of just like, "Okay, well, how does all of this pan out eventually?" I'm not sure, but also it makes him a kind of like, "I'm not really sure that you're <laughs> the, the kind of protagonist that I'm going to be rooting for here." Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it as well. Is I just don't like Ruby. Um, I like my cat, but I don't like the character in this series, Ruby. It's it's like an unfortunate, it's like an unfortunate comic relief character that became a main character, and it's like uh, there's a lot of trauma and undiscussed and undisclosed like damage here that isn't expressed and is just played for laughs, and I don't really like it. Um, and also just not a fun character to watch because it's kind of creepy. Like hell, like there's an incentive sequence where the kid, where like you know, baby Ruby is like, hell yeah, I get to suck my mum's tits, and it's like, okay, that's a, that's a, that's a weird one, like for sure, like okay, at yeah, least, at and, least, and, at least, as you say, thank God it kept moving and got past the whole baby stage fast. Yeah, and and again, it sort of it it, it feels doubly weird because you know it it it's takes no time at all to like acknowledge who that character was in their previous life, and it's sort of it doesn't really feel true to like the initial character you've set up again, much in the same way as it's like, you know, you set up your rules and you break them. Like you've set up a character and then you've kind of subverted it in a weird way. Like I feel like it's fine to have a certain amount of that. And clearly like, you know, in their previous life, they were a big idol enthusiast and fan of I. And so, yeah, but they didn't seem to be quite such a big jerk, (laughs) but yeah, like, and they weren't, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things about that that don't kind of quite work. Like there are, again, there are one or two points that it touches on that, that do kind of hit quite well. Um, and are kind of played out quite nicely, but for the, the most part, yeah, it does feel like they've sidelined a lot of that character and what makes them interesting in return for comic relief. Uh, especially when you compare to, like, you know, Goro slash Aqua, who is just, like, the same dude, basically. And yeah. it's like, that makes sense, you know, given everything you've set up, that's how this should pan out. But you haven't applied that consistently, it feels like, across these two main characters. Yeah, it's a very strange double act, like extremely strange double act, especially once, as I say, the child acting thing comes into play. Um, it's like, man, how many masks? And that is another thing that the series kind of very lightly touches on is, oh, the masks people wear. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're you're using that in a very strange way of like, you know, reincarnated objine, so like, you know, Doctor 2 baby. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very, very strange um it, it is yeah um i have a few notes on the actual like release if unless you have anything else to mention about the actual series andy no 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 Go for it. so basically as mentioned this is on manga plus um where the translation is done by media Doe, um and um the actual physical release as mentioned is by yen press and does not use that same translation but uses a new one um their translations are basically like consistent there's a few awkward phrases taken out and replaced for the end press physical release well published release um in a weird case the the at least for my money the end press um typesetting is a bit more mundane like less interesting like tra- like lettering choices used um but yeah they're otherwise like 
they read the same there's a few you know word choice differences a few sort of like changes in flow um but that's kind of it like i think honestly like the fact that you know manga plus is a kadansha child and yin press is not means that the translation doesn't get backported onto manga plus um so you do have this slight sort of strange parallel track but it's not like one of them has started changing the names of characters or anything um, yeah. but yeah certainly an interesting sort of like i i had to know so i i went and also um manga plus this is one of these series where once you get past the initial sort of tranche of chapters they become um one read only where you read them once and you get a message that goes hey you can only read this once you know and it's like okay weird sure so very yeah the, the, up to their usual antics i suppose mm. yeah yeah, uh, in- interesting to know, but at least it sounds like e- either way you read it, it's basically solid translation-wise. It's mostly around the edges. Yeah, with the uh, kid, um, addendum that I don't read Japanese, but it it, <laughs> it reads fine in English. So you know, yeah. it it reads as it should do. Um, but yeah, so that's um, initial. I don't think anything else to mention about Oshinoko. Really, it's a very strange series that I do. I have z- absolutely negative interest in reading more of. Um, but I am interested to see what people think when the anime come out, and also hearing from people who are reading it Simul Pub, and also if anyone can, if you continue to volume two, Andy, put, you know, stairs. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I may do just because. Yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued by, by where it goes, and again, like I'm very interested in the anime adaptation because, like, again, I can see in my mind's eye how this is going to look as an anime, but it may well subvert those expectations. So, uh, yeah, cur- curious to see how that, uh, that pans out as well. It's also kind of funny where, like, it's not, it's an, it's a series of idols, an idol series where all. The the idol performances are basically like only really referenced offhand or like on the periphery mm-hmm. like you get the characters who sometimes are watching i do a performance but i'll be interested to see how far they go with doing actual performances um of songs and such um, i imagine they would like to sell some character singles so there will probably be more songs than there, there there is the equivalent of in the manga fair enough yeah i imagine so um i just i just imagine a world where they have like the ultimate um we don't want to bother animating dancing so we're just going to cut all the idol stuff out um but again character singles are probably a very attractive proposition um king records turning up at your meeting going oi um or something along those lines yeah yeah indeed and hey if if you don't want to animate them there's always cg that's like get get the cg artist to to do some dancing scenes well well that still counts as anime yeah i I mean it does but (laughs) yeah run run um hulafulladance.exe on them or something um unless anything else to mention andy no, that's everything. So yeah, that's been um, Oshinoko Volume One, and so moving on, we're talking about what we're talking about next time. So um, with like apologies, I picked something that I read recently, and I am now using this podcast as my platform to demand that everyone else read it as well. Starting with you, Mister Hanley. Um, so my pick is um, she loves to cook and she loves to eat Volume One. Um, you can kind of guess what it's about from that, but yeah, Andy, how about you? Um, yeah, so uh, after the, the challenging fair of this week's podcast, I, I wanted something a little bit easier. So uh, I picked the uh, the recently released um, manga, which is uh, also adapted into Jeff Gersman's favorite anime, um, Polar Bear Cafe Volume 1. Yeah, I, I have watched a grand total of perhaps like 10 minutes of Polar Bear Cafe in the form of GIFs. So I'm interested in reading this. Because yeah, as mentioned, I mean, Jeff Gersman approved. Yeah, I mean, it's a polar bear that runs a cafe. What more do you need? I mean, you know, frankly, you know, life goals and all that. Like, well, I, I'd do that. <laughs> cool. So thank you very much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find all the rest of them at screentone.club, our website. You can also find our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash screentone club, where you can toss us a few US dollars a month to get bonus episodes and other perks, including the ability to vote or cover in those bonus episodes. Um, we have a Twitter feed um, at Screen Tone Club. Um, we have an email address show at screentone.club. Uh, my name is Elliot Page, as mentioned. You can find me on Twitter at Elliot Page or on the website empty.computer. And Andy, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah's1979. Grand. And from both of us, thank you ever so much. And good Bye, night. Everyone. Bye.